Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, March 31st, and today we are talking to Tina Wynn, our resident MAGA whisperer, about her recent piece on Ron DeSantis and whether it matters that he's staying mom on Russia and Ukraine, and maybe the biggest question hovering over Republican politics right now. Will DeSantis run for president in 2024, if Trump does too? We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The ChiliPad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com. Dot M-E slash powers, because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Hey everybody, this is Teddy Schleifer here. Before we get to Peter's interview with Tina, I wanted to give you a quick update on what's going on in my world. We're going to start doing these little previews of what we're thinking about, sort of a peek behind the curtain, which is a lot of the premise here at Puck. So I got three things on my mind as I'm recording this Wednesday. The first is we published an interview yesterday with Chesa Boudin, who is the district attorney here in San Francisco, who is currently facing a recall. And I've been monitoring some of the reaction to that. Of course, there are people who, who think that uh, we are too soft on Chesa. Lots of people in tech absolutely despise the guy, which was sort of the point of the piece, which you can check out at puck.news. Um, other folks, uh, as you'd expect when you publish an interview with one of the most polarizing figures in Silicon Valley, there are other people who think uh, we are too hard on him, uh, which, you know, again, you, you can never win. So that's that's one thought on my mind. The other thing going on um, in, in my neck of the woods is there's a story in Politico that came out this week about Eric Schmidt, who is, of course, the longtime CEO of Google and Schmidt is uh, always sort of a, a power broker figure in democratic politics. And the story in Politico was, was a look at Schmidt's influence over the Office of Science and Technology Policy, OSTP, 
in uh, Washington parlance. And it was a it was a piece that sort of painted Schmidt as maybe even going beyond a power broker. You know, he was allegedly kind of helping to pay salaries of White House officials through his philanthropy. What was most interesting to me was the reaction afterwards. Schmidt himself was recommending this statement that he put out, statement on science funding where he says, uh, or the, the philanthropy says, we were disappointed by the reporting in a recent article that misrepresented our relationship with OSTP. We have great respect for the media and for the journalists who report stories, even those with whom, with which we may disagree. However, we also believe in the media's responsibility to report the facts, yada, 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 unsubstantiated thesis of the article. Um, I don't know. It, to me, just as someone who covers Schmidt World, he's not like fighting that much with the media. This is not Elon Musk here. So that caught my eye. Uh, the third thing that I'm working on right now is I'm currently in the queue for Burning Man tickets. Um, 56 minutes in. I'll keep you guys posted, but um, it's not looking good. All right, that's all I got. And now to Peter's interview with my colleague, Tina. I'm joined today by Tina Nguyen, who is, I would say, deeply embedded in the right-wing Republican MAGA-verse. Yes. <laughs> you are the, you are the, uh, the MAGA whisperer at Puck. MAGA whisper is probably the best thing anyone's ever used to describe my B because I feel like sometimes <laughs> I'm approaching a whole bunch of spooked horses like, hello, I'm the mainstream-ish journalist who wants to talk to you. And then yeah. eventually they start talking to me. But, well, um, no, but just to interrupt, like when I, when I was at CNN and I was covering Republican politics, like that was sort of my angle too. It's like, yeah, I work at CNN, but I have a Republican grandma. I can talk to you. You know, I'm from the South. I'm not like, I'm not necessarily the enemy here. Um, and I want to at least hear how you're thinking. And I feel like you do a good job of that. Well, thank you. And you are, you've been covering actually this a lot lately, which is probably the most interesting political story in the Republican Party, which is uh, Ron DeSantis. Mm. <laughs> and obviously Trumpism rules the day. Trump is the de facto front runner if he decides to run for the Republican nomination again in 2024. But, you know, politics every four years has a way of turning the page on the past. And- that's why DeSantis has a lot of buzz. And some days it's because he's, you know, younger and, and not Donald Trump. And other <laughs> days it's it's because he's trying to out MAGA Donald Trump. Um, but you you sort of picked up on an interesting thread in, in a piece you have up this week, which is he's kind of silent on Ukraine and Russia. Why do you think, though, that this is dangerous for DeSantis? Because that's the headline of your piece, Ron DeSantis' dangerous game. This is one of those issues where everyone and their mothers has to weigh in on the th war that's happening in Ukraine, the biggest freaking land war in Europe in the past century. A massive thing that's going to geopolitically shape the world for years and decades and who knows till the end of time. It is a little weird for someone who's trying to establish themselves as a national presence to suddenly claim, oh, this is, I have nothing to do with this. This is me. This has nothing to do with my job as governor of Florida. I don't weigh in on foreign relations, but there is a pretty legitimate reason for DeSantis, given the strategy he's trying to pull off to take that tack. One, it's still kind of messy. And I think as his um, press person, Christina Pushaw said on Twitter, kind of accurately, if he'd weighed in on Ukraine, the media would have been like, oh, I can't believe you're weighing in on Ukraine. Stay in your lane, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. <laughs> uh, but the other one that I think is sort of undercovered is 
that the MAGA base itself is also torn on how to view uh, Ukraine. Like, think of it this way. For the past several years, Donald Trump, who is the guy they all automatically have to support, and in some cases they love to support, has been a fan of Putin. He's like palled around with Putin on stage. He said that he admires Putin for being smart and an autocrat and doing things that Trump wishes that he could have done. Specifically during the impeachment, a lot of Republicans and MAGA heads specifically defended Trump by saying, hey, you know what? Who hasn't asked something from Ukraine? Also, Putin's kind of a good guy in this situation. I think Tucker's exact quote was, why shouldn't I be rooting for Putin in this situation, which I am? Why should I care about what happens in Ukraine? So flash forward to now when Putin is obviously the bad guy here. A lot of MAGA people are both trying to take the good side of this, which is Putin is the bad guy here. We don't support him. While also trying to back away from anything that could be seen as critical of Trump or his role in the situation. And the MAGA base's instinct is to try to find tiny reasons that they should not be fully backing Zelensky. Right now in the conspiracy online MAGA world, which DeSantis, I personally think, is taking a lot of cues from, uh, you're starting to see these talking points going, hey, uh, you know, Zelensky's kind of a bad guy and pointing to some involvement in the Pandora Papers. There are lots of, like, zeroing in on specific battalions in Ukrainian military that have far-right ties. Yes, that's bad, but there is a lot of focus being put on these battalions as ways to undermine American support in Zelensky. It's honestly safer for DeSantis in his role right now without upsetting any apple carts to just stay in his lane right now. It's smart. It's safe. He doesn't have to wade into it. And he's not going to piss anyone off. But this is the thing. Like, if you are a politician, you don't have to weigh in on everything. If you're the president and you're running for president, you probably do. Mm-hmm. If you are a governor, you kind of don't have to. You see all of these Republicans and you listen to them. Tucker Carlson, Madison Cawthorn, Josh Hawley, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates. The like loudest and proudest MAGA voices are so over-torqued on being contrarian and being anti-Biden that they're looking for any reason to undercut the mainstream media narrative or, you know, figure out ways why the left is wrong. But if you look at polls, Republicans, Democrats, and independents are generally all more or less aligned with how Biden is handling the situation. They're generally supportive of refugees, which is certainly not the case on the right when it comes to certain migrants of a certain skin color coming across the southern border. Shush. The, <laughs> there, there are a few things, in other words, that Republicans, Democrats, and independents are generally aligned on. One of them is Putin is bad. Ukraine is good. We should be doing what we can to support Ukraine without sending U.S. troops over there. That is majority public opinion across all parties. Having covered governors on both in both parties for so long, sometimes you don't need to give an answer to the press when they call. They don't, like, DeSantis doesn't necessarily need to. You know, if you're in Ohio and you have, like, a big Ukrainian population, maybe you should feel compelled to weigh in. Well, DeSantis can basically, you know, nod, give humanitarian aid. Like, weighing into Zelensky, little dicey, but he doesn't have to pull a J.D. Vance here, who I believe has doubled down on not caring about Ukraine. 
he dug his own hole a long time ago in that primary in Ohio. He's the guy who wrote Hillbilly Elegy running for <laughs> Republican Senate in Ohio and is just being punished for saying negative things about Trump back in the day. But yeah, it's like you play so hard to the Fox News, Breitbart, MAGA internet and the homogenous groupthink there that you forget about your actual constituents who don't always vote and think the same way as the echo chamber, the very online echo chamber mm-hmm. that you're living in. But Tina, I want to take I want to take a quick break and then I want to come back and talk to you a lot more about DeSantis because I just find him fascinating right now and you have some really good perspective on this. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, If you are triggered by the words Ron DeSantis. This is a safe space, I swear to God. (laughs) Tina, I mentioned this at the beginning, but there's this cold war to carry on with the Eastern Europe motif between Trump and DeSantis. And you've written about this in the past, but DeSantis is clearly looking at running in a couple of years for the Republican nomination. If Trump does run, does he say, go for it, sir, you're you're the king? Or does he, does he also run? Because he's the only Republican out there that I feel like has the juice to at least challenge him in a primary. Well, first of all, Mike Pence, I think, is definitely running. I think he's just broken too far from Trump, but is keeping himself in the public eye so much Mm -hmm. that he's, I don't know, hoping that heritage world and Federalist Society world pulls through for him, uh, the like traditional right-wing think tank interest Mm -hmm. groups. But regards to DeSantis, I think he is going to wait to see how much this uh, Putin thing has dinged Trump and how bad it's been for Trump being out of the public eye for so long. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, Trump can have rallies. Trump can have his like fake Twitter statements and his fake social media company to run off of. But I think there's a world where he builds this very small but scrappy organization and runs on the fact that he's been active in culture war things for the past three or four years uh, that he's had a strong record in Florida of pushing back against these quote unquote liberal interests like mask mandates, vaccines, um, his fight with Disney right now over don't say gay. Mm -hmm. He also is consistent, which a true MAGA person 
could push back against Trump and say he hasn't been. Like there's a pretty heavy record within the MAGA commentariat, like Ann Coulter, Laura Ingram, where they've pushed back against Trump for not hewing to nationalist heterodoxy. Like every time that Trump has gone back on, say, building the wall or military intervention in Syria, you've seen him get hit a lot for that. The DeSantis strategy of being the truest MAGA warrior that could possibly ever be could be very effective. Now, whether that is something that could survive a primary challenge, though, is the biggest question. Someone I was talking to out of the Florida world recently cautioned that DeSantis might just be too online, quote unquote, of a candidate, like taking too many cues from this diehard base. But on the other hand, what if a general Trump fan is voting and not just a MAGA head? What if someone who is generally kind of Republican comes out and looks at Ron DeSantis and goes, "Mm, I don't know, maybe you're too crazy for me. Flip side, they could also look at him and go, wait, no, you're great. If they focus specifically on school closures, mask mandates, general safe culture war stuff. Mm -hmm. So there is a lane that DeSantis can take where he's a culture warrior who's not blitheringly insane and (laughs) pro-Putin. But I think you're not going to see much of that play out until after the midterms. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. DeSantis to me has like a couple assets. One, I, I will name three assets. One, he's fresh face and he can say, I'm not going to tweet all the time. I'm not going to have all these distractions. You know, we're going to get the job done and be conservative, you know, in the way that Trump couldn't help himself and got distracted by getting conservative things done in Washington. Two, he's younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's new. People, voters are generally with the exception of the Democrats who picked Joe Biden in 2019 and 2020, voters are generally beguiled by new faces and don't necessarily want to turn the page. And then third, which you touched upon most importantly, is the upside of being a governor is that DeSantis has been waging the culture war fights in the state legislature by executive order in Florida in a way that Trump either couldn't because he was president, couldn't weigh in on state issues, or just hasn't since he's left office. So mandating that local schools can't, you know, implement mask rules, you know, a variety of of culture war issues that he can point to and say, I didn't just talk about it, I did it. And then the flip side, which is uncomfortable for people in the media to talk about too, is some of these things are actually popular. Mm. Um, you know, the don't say gay bill is obviously hugely divisive. Morning Consul did a poll on this a sizable majority of independents support the don't say gay bill. A sizable majority of Americans, you know, according to Quinnipiac in their most recent poll this week, want to be done with COVID, want to put this stuff behind them. Obviously, there's different permutations of that issue and and they split different ways in different polls. But he's got a horse to ride and he can point to things that he did rather than just talked about and tweeted. I just find that he has these assets that the other Republican wannabes just don't. Right. And the Republican Party, the issues that primary voters tend to gravitate towards these days are domestic. They're done with forever wars. If Ukraine can fight their wars on their own with their clearly superior military, sure, give them weapons, have them defend their homeland. But like, as long as DeSantis can keep his record straight on his home turf and keep it like aggressively domestic, Mm -hmm. I think the Republican primary voter will love that. And besides, what Republican doesn't want to live in Florida? He seems to have turned it into like conservative paradise anyways. Yeah, I'd actually be interested in the um, population flow, (laughs) like the hard numbers 
over the last couple of years. Maybe maybe the census will drop that on us, the DeSantis effect. Um, Tina, is Puck paying for you to move to Florida yet or no? Um, let's discuss next week. Let's meeting. talk to John about that. Okay, cool. Like I think that. you should set up a, uh, a Miami bureau. We'll all come visit. We'll do an offsite. From your mouth to John's ears. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 